Hi there, it's time. Let's meet in the now. Hi, this is Nicole Birkholzer, the voice of Mindful Connections. My mission is to connect horses and humans through a mindful approach. May you feel informed, inspired and mindfully connected. Hey, welcome back. I'm so glad you're meeting me in the now. This is episode number three and I call this one Phoenix Rising. So today I have a great story for you. It is actually literally about Phoenix rising from the ashes. Uh, Phoenix is a beautiful copper-colored thoroughbred that um, who I met a few years back when his owner called me to help her help him. So um, when I consulted with this family in Connecticut, they actually had over the previous two years rescued four draft horses, one thoroughbred and a donkey. And a few of the equines came from auctions and others they had actually rescued out of backyards and riding schools. And Holly and her husband, even though they were kind of new to horses, they somehow intuitively really did a super job of providing the horses an environment that was very natural. So the all the horses had 24-hour turnout with run-in shelters. They had an unlimited supply of hay. You know, they did barefoot trims. The works. Um, and Holly and Chris were kind of cool. They were looking to eventually get the draft horses back to work. They wanted to, I think, log on their property. And then the thoroughbred, Phoenix, uh, they wanted to get him back under saddle. Um, but they knew that each horse was still in the process of recuperating from their physical, mental, and emotional wounds. And Holly keep, was keeping a real close eye on them and, and was noticing when they were kind of ready to connect uh, more uh, deeply with humans again because they were starting to build some trust. And so when uh, she asked me to come out there, she had the sense that um, some of the horses were kind of stuck in a certain, they had recovered a little bit, but they were stuck at a certain level. And um, Phoenix was one of those horses. So he was actually the first horse that came to greet us when we went out in the back yard to the large turnout where everybody was actually reading a, around a big round bale. And um, as Phoenix was coming towards us, Holly told me that Phoenix had a pretty rough life. He actually raced at the track and then became a school horse. And um, when Holly met him at a local boarding barn, he was rearing in the cross ties, nipping and striking at any human coming too close. And he was obviously an unhappy, angry, and actually fearful horse. So Holly and her family took Phoenix to their farm and gave him actually initially again very naturally a lot of space they just you know let him be and and let him get used to an environment where there was no pressure so um when phoenix approached me he seemed curious and i was like oh you know he's reaching out he sniffed my hand and then he allowed me to stroke his forehead and um when I made a couple of attempts to touch other spots on his body, every time I did it, he walked away. It was clear that touch anywhere but on his forehead was off limits for him. And at that point, Holly said, well, that's one of the reasons I asked you to come. We interact with our horses 
usually at liberty and it seems that Phoenix is starting to seek our companionship here, but every time we want to brush him or pet him, he shies and walks away. And so Holly kind of had this idea that for Phoenix, any kind of touch, be it brushing, scratching, even petting him, brought up this fear in him, what would come next? Another, you know, ill-fitting saddle or the whip and... Uh, so he just kind of retreated the moment um, he got a little worried about what the human would do next. And, you know, of course, horses live in the now, but a raised arm or the sight of a whip can still trigger a memory in a horse of a painful or cruel experience. And so that seemed to be the behavior that uh, Phoenix was demonstrating. And um, what was interesting is that trying to convince Phoenix that touch could mean something positive by continually touching him and trying to show him it's okay, it's okay, it's okay, um, actually created like resistance in him. You know, you could even see his whole body tensed up and as he walked away, you know, he was a little stiffer than when he had first come over to us. So I finally said to, to Holly, why does Phoenix need to be touched? And Holly thought about that for a moment and then said, well, I guess I want him to know that touch is good. And her husband, Chris, joined us at that moment, actually. And he said, yeah, as humans, we express our love through touch. And I was like, well, that's true. But what if loving Phoenix actually means not touching him? And this idea was a total revelation for Holly because she is actually an equine massage therapist. And so for Holly, helping horses means touching them. And here she had a horse that actually didn't like being touched. So I kind of explained, you know, for Phoenix, touch has no positive association. And as hard as it might be for us not to project our own experience onto the horrors here, um, we got to just accept that Phoenix reality is different than ours and um, that he really ha doesn't have any positive associations and that we need to work with that rather than, you know, projecting our own experience onto him. What was interesting at that moment, as we started to talk about it, Phoenix came wandering back to our little group. And so I suggested that maybe it's important to know how much space Phoenix actually needs. You know, where is his bubble? That The bubble I call this invisible circle of personal space that we all have. You know, when somebody comes too close into your space and stands in front of your face and you're like, oh my God, this is like way too close to me. Horses have that too, and some horses have quite a large bubble, and others, you know, don't mind when somebody is in their space. So, while her husband Chris went off to attend to the other horses, Holly and I put our attention toward Phoenix, and we watched his facial expressions and his body language to see at what distance he was actually comfortable with us. And at what point, when we moved in on him, would he actually consider us a little bit of a threat? So we started out by standing about 10 feet away from Phoenix and then we took a first step toward him. And then we took a second step. And then we took a breath and we took a third step. And at about seven feet, Phoenix started to turn his head away from us and we stopped immediately because our goal was, you know, for him to stay comfortable. I didn't want him to walk away. <clears throat> and um, 
So at this point, though, I knew we were touched too close. And so I said, Holly, let's step back half a step. And when we did, Phoenix relaxed. You could see his head dropped a little bit. He took a deep breath. And we knew he was comfortable right at about seven feet of distance between us. So now we had determined his personal space. And I suggested that we would just be with Phoenix at this point. You know, not do anything... Um, but just hang out with him. And so we faced his belly and stayed actually behind his shoulder, allowing him room to leave if that's what he wanted to do, you know, kind of right by the shoulders, the drive line. If we stood in front of the drive line, that energetically would still feel to him like we could uh, prevent him from moving forward. But we stayed just behind his shoulder. So if he wanted to leave, he could. And then we took a couple of deep breaths and sent him thoughts of love and respect and understanding. And, you know, I suggested, let's tell him silently that we will accept him for who he is and provide him what, with what he needed. And it was really beautiful because within moments, Phoenix closed his eyes and Holly and I could feel him relax and become much more contented and actually rested. He actually rested while we, the humans, watched his back. And um, I really got a strong sense that what Phoenix was looking for was to have his personal space honored and his inability to really relate to people through touch needed to be respected. And so I told Holly that and I said, you know, I think um, if you respect Phoenix's boundaries and, and allowed him to, to have his own bubble and space... Um, and you promise him that you would, you know, respect that space, I think that could really create a huge shift in his perception of people. And I said, you know, traditional thinking might be that this horse needed to be sacked out, you know, kind of touched over and over with hands and brushes and flags and other seemingly scary objects until he finally becomes used to the assault and surrenders. But <clears throat> I said, you know... That method might get the horse to surrender and he finally lets you touch him. It wouldn't motivate him to reach out for touch on his own and it wouldn't be a, still a pleasant thing. It would still be kind of like, all right, I better let them do it because otherwise I'm in trouble, which of course doesn't create a great relationship. So, but giving him this space was actually giving Phoenix a chance to eventually reach out to Holly and do it on his own time and his own terms. So a few years, a few years, yeah, right, <clears throat> a few minutes later, Phoenix woke up and blinked, and then he kind of walked off to his herdmates. That's always an indicator for me that the work with the horse is done, at least for this moment in time. So Holly, you know, promised that she would kind of stick with what we had discovered and let leave Phoenix be and let him figure out on his own if he wanted to reach out and connect with her or her husband. And then it was really amazing because a week later, Holly sent me an email and I'm going to just read it to you because it, it's so fabulous. You hit the nail on the head with Phoenix. He's a different horse. He knows we heard him. Yesterday, as I groomed Clay, one of the Belgians, Phoenix came over, rested his head next to Clay's croup and stood there until I was done. Occasionally, he even bumped the brush in my hand. I asked him if he wanted to be brushed, and then I gave it a try. And he stood there and let me brush him. He let me curry him. 
It was a total transformation. And then two weeks later, she wrote, Phoenix and I groomed for a good 20 minutes. Whenever I stopped, he nudged me. Every time I thought he was done and I walked away, he'd follow me. His head was by my thigh and he kept bumping me, so I started massaging him around his head. It's like he finally surrendered and when he did, he couldn't get enough. Nicole, every time I tried to stop, he just kept asking for more. It was amazing and an incredible breakthrough. There were no walls, just total openness. Isn't that a great story? I mean, it's just so amazing um, how a horse, by just giving him space, can recuperate on his own and say, you know what, I'm going to reach out to my people now because I'm ready. And this this far, a visit to the farm was so significant. And, and this was such a powerful story that I... <clears throat> and it was so unusual because I... It, it really pushed me also to really trust that this horse knew on his own when the time was right and that we didn't need to be in charge of it, that we just needed to be in charge of our own emotions, of our own actions. And because that was such a significant story, I actually put that in my book, Pet Logic. And if you haven't gotten the book, you know, I really suggest you do because there are 14 stories that are, you know, of similar um, inspiration and life-changing examples and it's just so cool because we can learn so much from horses and what I realized with this story with Phoenix rising from the ashes um, is that every time I go and meet horses and their owners it's always like a great adventure um, because it's always an exploration you know get present with the horse see it through his eyes and then I come up with ideas on how the owner can support the horse. And um, in this case, it was really amazing because not touching Phoenix had this immediate positive effect, which was great. But the adventure part is that even if this idea of not touching Phoenix would have not been the key to help him change his behavior, um, we would just go back and continue to investigate other ways to help him trust in humans and the cool thing is he would have been part of the exploration because he would have given us new information and given us new ideas um, because when we're present with horses they do offer ideas and suggestions so <clears throat> what was really important in this story or in this consultation was to not be attached you know we are as humans so quickly assume certain things like touch means love or we need to sack him out and then he'll get over it. But in my experience, it's so much more useful um, to pay attention to our horse and our intuition and then let a mindful approach pop up. Because when we're actually <clears throat> when we're actually present and see and feel what is going on, new ideas and solutions always reveal themselves. And like in Phoenix's case, Major life-changing shifts can occur for the horse and the human. So I hope Phoenix Rising from the Ashes inspires you to maybe let go of some of the ideas and attachments and the experiences you had in the past, but to approach any challenge really in the moment. Remember, you know, the bubble above our head where we're always living in the past and in the future? Again, it's so important to be in the moment and to learn from the horse and from our own intuition and our own 
inner knowing um, so that we can come up with new ideas and new solutions. I mean, this has certainly inspired me to be so, so present and so connected. Um, and it actually gave me an opportunity to help another horse and another owner that I will talk to you about in the next episode. But again, it's all about being in the moment, gathering information, and then, you know, coming up with a mindful solution that creates a huge shift. So can't wait to meet you in the now next time. And until then, happy mindful connecting. Thank you so much for listening to my podcast let's meet in the now for more information go to mindful-connections.com there you can dive deeper into creating mindful connections through webinars online courses workshops individual sessions and my book pet logic can't wait to mindfully connect with you next time